Scott again from Extraordinary Adventures EA Radio. We welcome you today to the 15th episode. And today's episode, we're going to kick off with a question we got from George down in Lakeland. He was curious about, he's going, apparently he's going to Ireland and Scotland, and he's curious about how much time he should spend there. So I said, you know what, this would be a really great uh, opportunity to discuss uh, fast travel versus slow travel. First the definitions and second the examples. And I said, you know, this is a topic that's not heavy in research. I thought it'd be a great opportunity for our guest host to come back and, and join us. Hi, everyone. Hello, boys and girls. <laughs> okay, well, that's the show for today. Thank Woo! you very much. <laughs> All right, so fast travel versus slow travel. Really, for me, the definition, I think, boils down to, unfortunately, the American uh, uh, days off, whatever they call that, vacation time schedule. We all get X amount, two, three, four weeks a year, whatever we get. But even if we get four weeks a year, very often we can't take more than a week or two at one time. So even if you include that with you know weekends with that, maybe a holiday, the most you're going to get up to is eight, nine, ten days. That to me is fast travel. There's not a lot of places you can go. I mean, you can go to one city. You can go to Rome and maybe you know day trip out to a few spots in in a week. Because remember, ten days. You got to spend a whole day flying and getting over there, a whole day flying and coming back. So that's now you're down to eight days. Rome itself is going to take you two or three days, and you make two, three or four day trips. That's your trip. You can't see all of Italy in a week. Slow travel, on the other hand, is what Laura and I like to do. When we go, we try to go for 16, 18, 20 days at a time. So now you're in the country for two weeks, three weeks at a time. Now that's giving you some time. So now you can hit um, multiple cities, you know, but you really still can't do too much. But that's just the time definition. Fast travel versus slow travel to me more is also a, a philosophical definition than just a time one. And for, for me, the fast travel is those folks, which I've done it. Laura and I did it when we were in D.C., you know. Uh, it was a checklist travel. Check, seen it, check, seen it, check, seen it, check, seen it. And you just move and you move and you move and you go. And you, I've seen it, done it, been there. Then there's slow travel. Where very often with slow travel, you don't even know if you care if you've seen it and done it. It's about immersing yourself in the authenticity and, and the, um, the culture of your travel, of your destination. So a slow travel may look like you go to Dublin for a month, for two months. You literally are in one city for a month or two. And you're checking out all the neighborhoods. You're going to the different grocery stores. and the, you, you, In that case, you usually will be getting an apartment or some kind of a timeshare thing. You're not going to get a hotel because you're going to be there for a while. And it's really about getting to know the people and the people getting to know you. Um, if you're doing that, let's say, in, in a more of a natural spot, so not a city like um, like Dublin, but let's say you go out to, you know, the Ring of Kerry and you're out there and you're with the people, you know, maybe you can't spend two months out there. Maybe that's just too much time. So you have to define slow travel also by how much there is to see and do. Um, so that's fast travel versus slow travel in terms of definitions. Now, the gentleman asked about, um, George asked about Ireland versus, or sorry, Ireland and Scotland. So, Laura, give us some, because we're researching this right now, actually, for a client. Give us some ideas of what George could consider for Ireland and Scotland that would be maybe slow versus fast and help him decide. I don't know if he's a retiree and he has plenty of time, if he's only got a week. Let's talk about Ireland and Scotland. Okay, well, the first thing really to take into account 
is travel time, and that's something that a lot of people don't even figure in. Uh, it takes time to check out of a hotel and then either get to the airport or take a train to their next destination and then check back into the next hotel before they're actually ready to go and start seeing the sights. So if someone says, oh, I have two days in Edinburgh, well, the reality is more like you're going to have a day and a half or a day and two hours or three hours. So that's not really two full days. So you really have to take that into account when saying how many days you need in a particular place. Um, I would recommend no fewer than two full days at any location, preferably three. So you're sleeping for two nights, for sure. Correct, yes. Because otherwise, you're living out of your luggage and you're just going from place to place to place. Now that's fast travel. I mean, when you're just spending one day, one night, and then you have to pick up and go to the next place the next day. If you had any significant travel time between the two destinations, you're literally just getting there to check in at your hotel to go to sleep, to get up and leave the next day, which is kind of ridiculous. So unless you're using unless you're using that as like a quote unquote way station, like as a midway point. So for instance, when we were driving up to Cheshire, we stopped in number nine, was it? For one night. And then we checked out the next day. But the Cotswolds isn't very heavy with sites and things to do. So we checked in, we did hung out in the town, and the next day we got in the car to go see more of the Cotswolds because it's really really drawn you know long and drawn out. It's not the, something you're doing in one defined area. So if you're passing through something, you could potentially consider doing a night. But that's a very rare circumstance. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, really the, the biggest thing is to kind of take stock about what, what it is that you want to see in a specific place. You know, kind of, unfortunately, do your homework before you get there. It's not unfortunate. It's part of the well, fun, I it think. It is, yes. I, mean, I agree, but sometimes, you know, people don't have the time and well that's why they hire us yeah. but um you know so we would actually then tell you how many days we recommend in each location uh, and the other thing is be brutally honest with yourself don't go somewhere and see something because the world tells you you're supposed to see it if you've been there done that and you've seen enough churches enough castles and enough museums and you just don't want to see it don't go see it go see what you want to see go there for the reasons you want to go there right uh, also, you know, another thing that people don't take into account is not only the travel time to get from point A to point B, but let's, you know, say you want to do an excursion and you want to go kiss the Blarney Stone. It, it takes time to get to the Blarney Stone. And then once you get to the Blarney Stone, you're not the only person in line to go and kiss the Blarney Stone. There is a line. So you think that the excursion might only take two hours, but it might end up actually taking four hours. And a lot of people also don't take into account the fact that they're going to get hungry and they're going to want to eat. And can you go and grab a quick something, you know, in just standing up and scarf it down? Or do you want to have slow travel and sit and enjoy a nice meal? But you have to remember, dining standards in Europe are very different than dining standards in the United States. Their average dining experience takes two plus hours. It's not a quick order it, eat it, 
give me the check and get out. It could be 15, 20 minutes before your server first shows up to your table. Right. You're sitting there just waiting. Do we have a server? Right. <laughs> so these are definitely things to take into account when you're planning your day. It's not just what you want to see. It's how long is it going to take and maybe you have to go to the bathroom and it's, you know, where there's something that happens that's going to take, you got, you need to build in buffers of time is all I'm trying to say. So basically our rule of thumb is you, when you finally figure out what it is you want to do in a place, imagine at max, you're going to do one or two of those things in a given day Two max. Don't think you can cram, cram in three or four or five things in a day because it's not going to happen. You're going to want to do just like one if it's a big thing or two if they're smaller. And that's it. And then call it a day. Right. I mean, and that's, that's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's true for the major sites, but that doesn't mean, and what she's not saying here, she's not saying that you can't do things at the end of the day. So, for instance, one of the things that we like to recommend when you're in England, um, and I would I would imagine this is across the boards um, for uh, Scotland and Ireland and all that. Uh, it's not necessarily as true for Germany, but um, we did a phenomenal pub tour that started at six o'clock at night. So now you can do the two things that Laura just told you to do, and then at night you do a literary pub tour. You go see where the poets are drinking their beers and doing their poetry. So that now becomes a third thing, but it's not quite what she's talking about. She's talking about seeing sites, going to the British Museum or, or whatever you're doing, going to the, 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 the London Tower or whatever. But you can do those two major sites in you know a few hours in the morning, a few hours in the afternoon. You got the two sites down. And then at night, you do what's considered like a third thing, but it's more of a relaxed thing. Right. Exactly. So, um, and then of course, not only she's talking a lot here about, and this is kind of her brain versus mine. She's talking about the plan, the structure. Like she's that's like her thing in, in our company is that she really handles a lot of that, um, making it all fit, making the pieces fit. For me though, it's it's always been more about the content and the why. I, I enjoy researching why you're going there, what's to see, what's to do. Um, if I was to go to Edinburgh, it's considered a place you go for two to three days. I could spend ten days in Edinburgh. Each night there's a different pub to go to. Each day I would to see I. For instance, for me, I know this about myself, and this is what I said about five minutes ago to you. Know yourself. I know I'm a Romophile. So anywhere there's a Roman artifact kind of thing, I'm going to linger there for like hours, like looking at every minutia. That's going to take my time. Um, these, these, these countries in Europe are layered. I mean, they are so layered. They, they have Stone Age uh, history, and on top of that, they're going to have you know uh, medieval history. They're going to have modern day history. There's so much history and so many layers of history that in any given spot, you could spend a lot of time. And that's kind of how I like to do it. I like to not necessarily sleep in on vacation. We get up by seven, seven thirty. We're kind of ready to go, eating our breakfast by like nine to ten o'clock, and we're ready for the day. Maybe a little bit later than some folks would like to do it, but it's good enough for us. And then that gives us six, seven, eight hours before things start closing for the day, five, six o'clock, um, to just get out there and see stuff. And then at night, we like to slow down. We like to go to the pub, or we like to go to the beer garden, or we like to go and be with people. Um, but again, we know that about ourselves, and we know that it's going to take us a certain amount of time based on our history of travel. Now, if you haven't had a history of travel, that makes it harder. <laughs> But that's why you use a travel planner who can kind of 
mind read you and help you plan that for yourself. Right. So uh, another one is like, we keep bringing up England, Ireland, Scotland, and then Germany, because as you may or may not know, those are our major destination specialties. We do a lot of Europe, um, but we do, you know, all of Europe, but uh, those areas are our two specialties. So we bring those up a lot. Now, speaking of, um, Scotland. You think, oh, I'm just going to go to Scotland for a few days. You have any idea how big Scotland is? And you have any idea how sometimes there are roads that are 30 mile per hour roads? You really think you're going to do 90 miles an hour and, and fly there in, in a couple hours like you would do here in the States? That's not going to happen. No. Sometimes there are one lane roads with two, two directions of traffic and you can't pass each other. So whoever pa most recently passed a little shoulder has to back their car all the way up, pull into that little ditch, let the other guy pass, and then you continue on. It's, England, Ireland, and Scotland are not the easiest necessarily once you get out into the countryside to make fast time. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a slow going thing. Plus, you have a marked propensity to get lost. Yeah. <laughs> As we did, we were driving through this cornfield. Literally, it was like a dirt, like corn on either side. We couldn't see the road. We had no idea, and we had no cell phone reception. So we just were going until we got cell phone reception. We were totally and thoroughly lost. But it ended up being a really fun day. Yeah. But we didn't get to see what we wanted to see that day. And the other thing to know about the countries that you're going to, uh, the Italian, the Southern Italians are really known for this, but the English, Irish, and Scottish are known for this too. They like to slow down. Kind of like Southerners in America versus us. We're from New York. They like to slow down, talk, get to know you. You get to know them. Like they have all day, in the, all the time in the day. And, and you're like, I got to go see this and I got to go see that. Well, part of the reason you're over there is to meet the people. So, you're up in Scotland, you pull over, and you, you, you see a guy, and you're like, you want directions. You ain't getting directions at first. You're getting his story, he's getting your story. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very different way of traveling, and if that's not for you, you may want to stick to the cities. Mm. But if you stick to the cities in Scotland and Ireland, I can guarantee you, you're missing Scotland and Ireland. Yeah. I and mean, people are really friendly, and you get to know them. Like, when we got, we got into a head-on car collision in... Uh, England and a woman we were on a main road and this woman who lived a couple a block or two off the main road she heard the car accident and she saw how shaken up I was she came to the main road to see me she invited me back to her house and I was just sitting in her house chilling you know, waiting for the ambulance to get there but uh, that would never happen in the United States <laughs> At least where we grew up, New yeah. York and, and Florida now. Um, Plus, it was really cool to see the way she lives. Yeah. Yeah, so so you're, I think you're getting the idea that there's the checklist of travel where you just bam, bam, bam. You're constantly living out of your suitcase. You're just, you're just it's whiplash speeds. And then there's another method of travel that, you know, I, I understand that the American way of doing things with our vacation days don't, isn't always conducive to it. But that doesn't mean you can't do it. Let's say you do only have that week. Don't say I'm going to take that week and I'm going to go to Germany, Italy, Austria, Switzerland, and then, oh, we might as well stop in England on the way back. That's insanity. You're not going to do that. You have to get realistic and say, okay, I have a week. I'm going to basically be able to do one major city and the surrounding towns, and that's it. That's really all you can do. So, you know, that, I guess, is pretty much our spiel for the Unless you have something additional to add. No, that, that, I hope we helped, George. 
Yeah, yeah. So I guess you know, give him a hard, a harder number. He wants to know about Ireland and Scotland. I would say if he's going to do Edinburgh and Dublin, like literally just the two cities, that's a different story. And then you might do that in ten days. Yeah. Okay. If you want to do Ireland and Scotland, I think you're looking at in the country at least a week per country. That's not including the flights to and from. So you're looking at 16 days, 17 days. Uh, well, that might be for just Scotland. I don't think you could add, you could do that Ireland and Scotland. I think you would do the three days in the city, and you go out in four days and do the countryside. You go to Cork, you go to Ringcarry, you go, um, you go to Edinburgh, and then you head up to, you know, uh, St Andrews, and you go to. I mean, Scotland's a bit bigger, so you might go like additional day there. Um, so maybe you're at 18 days with 16 days, so eight days in each one or something. But that's the kind of time you'd be looking at, George, if you wanted to really see both of those countries. If you're good with just seeing the two major cities, then you could probably get that done when you go from a Saturday to the following Sunday. You could probably get that done. It's tight, but, you know, I think you'd have a good time with that. So I hope that answers the question, George. All right, that's it. We're going to keep it short today, uh, probably a little bit longer than I already wanted it to be. But um, that's it. Fast travel versus slow travel. Um, if you enjoyed that, you know, please let me know. Reach out, email, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And then, of course, please share all this uh, with your friends. We are now on um, iTunes and Google Play, so you can send this podcast link to all your friends. Um, and that's it. So until next time, uh, this is Scott from Extraordinary Adventures on EA Radio reminding you to... Tune in next week for the next episode of EA Radio. Thanks. Bye. Ciao.